Amazing. You can take your seats. But as Holly said, I want to welcome you to Light Church. I know we have a lot of guests here today. Uh, my name is Dan, and I have the privilege of um, being the lead pastor here at Light Church. And um, yeah, I'm excited for you all to be here today. And maybe some of you have never stepped foot in church before, and you're like, what the heck is going on? Well, uh, I'm, we're privileged to have you with us today. And if you call Light Church home, it is also good to have you. And this is a day we would call like a family day where we as a church are all together and um, we're going to do some dedication. So we're going to talk just quickly um, about what we're doing today, why are we here, and um, yeah, what we're going to do. But just before that, we had an amazing day yesterday for those of us. Um, we hosted uh, the Global Leadership Network's um, local summit yesterday. So it's when a lot of people come together to talk about leadership and to talk about management and business and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that was yesterday and it was an incredible day. And I'm sure you'll hear over the next few weeks a few stories from that. Um, but I just want to say publicly thank you to and to Holly and to Paul Holmes for, um, that sounds like you're married, Holly Belshaw, my wife, and Paul Holmes. <laughs> Paul's like, oh, right. Um, for putting that on, I appreciate it. You guys did an amazing job. Okay, so we're going to do, I'm going to do about 10, 15 minutes or so now. I'm just so give you a heads up so you're not like, when's it going to stop? And then we're going to go straight into some dedications. But I want you to imagine in your life, if you had something of great value, something that was worth a lot of money, you would be very intentional about where you put it and who you let have it, right? That's safe to say, if you had something of great worth or value in your life, you would be very intentional and careful about who you would let borrow that or who you would let use that. And you would also be very careful where you would leave it around. I heard the most ridiculous story about how there's this guy who had this really, really old violin. And it was worth so much money, tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he was coming home from a gig one night and he left it on the subway because he was so tired and he walked off. And everyone was like, how could you not remember? How could you not remember you had this super, super valuable thing and you left it on a train? I know in our lives, there's so many things that we would have that we deem as valuable or worth something, and it could just be worth money to us. It might even have some sentimental value to us. Those things, we tend to be so careful about who we let have them and where we leave them. I want you to imagine right now, maybe this is a welcome imagination exercise for us. I want you to imagine you had a briefcase with one million pounds in it. Some of you are like, I could do with a briefcase with one million pounds in it. I don't have one for you. I want you to imagine it. It's an imaginary exercise. Imagine you had a briefcase with a million pounds in it. Do you think you'd be swinging that around everywhere? Someone comes up to you, can I hold your briefcase? Can I, what am I even on about a briefcase? Do we even, does anyone use cash anymore? Do we have any cash users? You had, you had uh, your phone with your bank account on it. Okay, it doesn't work, does it? Briefcase with a million pounds, right? <laughs> Stick to the briefcase. Just imagine, throw your mind back. Cash. Briefcase with a million pounds, you're walking around. You're there leaving it on the park bench. I'll just nip off for a coffee. You'd be like, no, I'd be holding that thing as tightly as I possibly could. If I had a million pounds in a briefcase, it would not leave my side. I would, I would get a bike lock and chain it to my leg. No one is taking my briefcase off me. If you have something of great worth or great value, you tend to be intentional about where you put it, 
where you leave it, where you give it, and who you give it to. Did anyone order any Christmas presents over Christmas online? Yeah. I feel, well, you all did in-person shopping. This is, well, this is impressive. Okay, I, we, did some, we did some online shopping. And we ordered a load of things. We were quite ahead of time. We were quite ahead of schedule. We decided to do it in November, which was ahead for us. We start ordering all these gifts for people, and unfortunately, and I do have a bone to pick with them, and this will be my public stance right now in case you're wondering, the company Every. You tell me about it. Exactly. The company Every. We know they were called Herms before. You can't just change the name and think everyone's going to think you're better. Every lost every one of our parcels. The amount of times that we would get a note through the door saying, your parcel is in your bin. Thank you for leaving it in our safe place. They put a parcel in the bin, you go to the bin, no parcel. The amount of times during that December period where we had to tell people, we do have a gift for you, but it's just lost. And I'm thinking about all these companies that we, we placed our orders with. Why use this company everywhere they seem to lose all of the things that are valuable to you as a business? Things that we deem as valuable and things that we deem are worth something, we tend to be intentional about where we put them and what we do with them and who we let use them. If you have something of value right now, I anticipate you're not going to leave it on your seat and just walk off. See, if this is the principle we're going to look at for just a moment, things of value, we're intentional about what we do with them. My question to us this morning is this, why is it that so many of us live our lives in this exact same way. Let me tell you what I believe. This is what the Bible teaches us, that every single one of you, no matter who you are, no matter what your story is, no matter your background, no matter your experience in life, every single one of you has innate value on your life. Every single one of you, God has breathed life into you, and you are valuable. So my question is, if we're intentional about things that are valuable to us, why is it that so many of us tend to treat our lives and leave them in situations and leave them with people and leave them with ideologies that do not respect the value that is on our lives? Why is it that so many of us live our lives like our lives are worth nothing? I believe that God has placed value on every single one of you in this room. But some of us give our lives to people and to things. Some of you are in relationships that you should not be in. Some of you are subscribed to ideologies that you should not be subscribing to. Some of you are finding yourselves in situations of your life that does not respect the value that God has placed on you. I want to look at a passage real quick in the Bible, and then we'll get to some dedications this morning. I hope this explains a little bit about what we're doing here today. You're here. Why am I in church? It will all be made clear in just a moment. So if you have a Bible, or if you have a Bible on your phone, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read two verses from chapter, from chapter 1, verses 13, 12 and 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'm going to read it out. It says this. 2 Timothy 1, 12, 13, it says, And of this gospel I was appointed a herald or a teacher, and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. 
And this is the bit I want to look at this morning. This is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We're going to look at this real quick. The guy who wrote this passage in the book of 2 Timothy in the Bible, a little bit of a context lesson for you. This guy is called the Apostle Paul. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. Very, very smart man. He knew all about the Jewish history. He knew all about the Jewish law. And he is writing to his apprentice. He has an apprentice and he is learning everything he can from Paul. And Paul begins to teach him about what it means to be a teacher. What does it mean to be a teacher of the Bible, a teacher of this faith, this Christian faith? And then this is what he says to him. So he's essentially passing on stuff that matters. So you're like, why are we reading out this passage today? Well, because if Paul's teaching Timothy stuff he needs to know, then you and I can lean into this and be like, well, if Timothy needed to know that about the Christian faith, we can learn that about the Christian faith too. So this is what he says. He starts off and says, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. I know many of us in life will have been through things where we feel like life is just really difficult. That was the Apostle Paul. You know, people say, ah, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I don't even know what that means. For Paul, it was hard, hard, lemon hard. Life was really, really difficult. Things Things for Paul, he got beaten, he got put in prison. People were chasing him down because he was teaching this message about the person of Jesus. People were hunting him down. People did not want him in their cities. Anytime he would go somewhere, there would be a mob that would try and get him and ultimately try and execute him. Life was really, really difficult for Paul. So he's saying, I'm a teacher of the gospel of Jesus and life is really difficult. Okay? Some of us have been in those places, maybe not hunted down by mobs and trying to be executed, but we've been in times in life where, ah, this is just really, really hard. Actually, I feel the weight of life on my shoulders. And he says this, this is why I'm suffering as I am, but it is no cause for shame. He's speaking to Timothy, hey, I've had a hard life, but guess what? He's saying there's hope, there's something, the thing I'm about to say is going to be really, really important for you. He says this, Because I know whom I have believed. Because I know whom I who I have believed. See, when it comes to our faith, and some of you in this room are like, I don't subscribe to this faith. I'm an atheist. I don't really believe that stuff. Again, we're still privileged to have you in this room. But I want to say this: the Christian faith is not a set of rules, it is not a set of ideologies. It is just not a set of standards for you to try and match up to. The Christian faith leads us to believe in a person who can be known. And that person is Jesus. That's why Paul doesn't say, don't worry, everything's okay because I know the set of rules that I've, I've subscribed to. Don't worry, it's okay, Timothy. You can endure a hard life because I'm religious. I'm a religious person. I go to church every week. That's not what he says. He says, I can endure the hardship and the pain of life because I've believed in the person of Jesus. Because I have a relationship. I know the person of Jesus. It does not lead us to a set of rules, but to a person, the person of Jesus. And then this is what I want to sit on just for a moment here. He says this, and I am convinced. You see the conviction in Paul? I am convinced. He's utterly sure. 
He's been in prison. He's had a difficult life. Nothing has turned out how he expected. But he says, I am convinced that he, meaning Jesus, is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That day he's talking about is the day that he dies. And he ultimately says this, Timothy, I have believed in Jesus and I can endure difficult things in life now because I know that whatever I have given to the person of Jesus, he will be able to guard. What was Paul given to Jesus? He had given his whole life. He had given his reputation. He had given his future. He had given his gifts and his talents and his career and he had placed it into the hands of Jesus. And he says, I am convinced that he is able to guard all that I have given to him. I want to encourage you this morning, whoever you are, whatever your life stage is, whatever your faith journey is, if you feel far from God or close to God, God's hands are the safest place where you can place your life and your future. The hands of God are the only stable, safe place, the only foundation that your life will ever be able to sit on. And that's exactly what we are doing here today with some dedications. Remember what we said, if you had something in your life that was of great worth and value, you would be intentional about where you put it and who you gave it to. And Paul understood, my life is valuable and I'm going to place it in the hands of Jesus. And these parents that we're going to get up in just a moment, they are doing just the same. They are saying, my future, my child, our children, I am going to place them in the ever-capable hands of Jesus. Okay, this isn't some weird, nutball, culty thing to do. That we're going to get a lot of kids to stand up at the front and do some weird chants. That's not what this is today. If you're like, oh, good, that's why I came. (laughs) Sorry to disappoint, folks. What this is about, there's no cosmic shift in this moment. There is no strange, mysterious thing that will happen. What we are doing today is simply standing with some parents in our church, in our family, as they make that commitment, intentional commitment to say, I place the future of my child in the capable hands of Jesus. This great thing of value and worth in my life, I place it in the hands of Jesus. And we're going to stand together as a church and we're going to pray for them. We're going to, it's going to be exciting. I love dedications. It's not weird. It's not odd. There's nothing to it other than these parents saying, this is where I place my children. So you might be like, cool, Dan, that sounds great. But how do you know that Jesus' hands are stable and safe and secure? What have I got to go on? I want to read this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You want to ask, how can we trust that Jesus is where we want to place our life and our future? Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what's beautiful about this passage? Is that it doesn't say, but God demonstrated his love for this, that once you cleaned up your life and put your best Sunday clothes on and put everything together and maybe then just maybe Jesus would accept you And save your life. That's not what it says. It says God demonstrated his love for you. That while you were still broken. While you were still messed up. While you were still sinning. Whilst you were still dysfunctional. Whilst you were still caught up in stuff. 
Jesus died for you so you could experience freedom and purpose here in this moment. That's how we know we can trust him. You might be like, but Dan, what if you're wrong? I'll say this. If we are wrong, then I am the most foolish of fools that I have given my life for this message and for the person of Jesus, and that we give of our time and our energy to be here as a church. But if we are right, then maybe we have discovered the treasure of all nations, the thing that every human being innately desires. What if you're wrong? But what if we're right? And I believe, like Paul said, I am convinced. I, me, right here, I am convinced that Jesus is the only place and the only person where you will find purpose and freedom and that click that your soul desires. This isn't weird or odd. This is just us as a church saying we place ourselves in the hands of Jesus. So let's do it. Let's go into some dedications.